Welcome to the Soybean Pod, brought to you by South Dakota soybean farmers and their checkoff. I'm Tom Stever, discussing the incredible soybean, the people who grow it, and why that crop is so important. The South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council, the Soybean Checkoff Board, is led and governed by farmers. We're talking today to a gentleman who has come to the end of his term chairing the Checkoff Board. Jason Ferricks from Wilmot, South Dakota. I'm in the northeast part of our state. I uh, farm with my uh, family. We raise soybeans, corn, wheat, alfalfa, and have a cow-calf operation. I uh, currently serve as the chairman of the South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council. Talk to me about soybean demand. As chairman of the South Dakota Soybean Checkoff, where is demand coming from now, and where do you hope it'll come from, and what's the situation? Well, demand is always front and center for our South Dakota and, and United Soybean Checkoff. We really have to always be looking for what's on the horizon and the next opportunity to move these soybeans that we produce, obviously in the middle of the country, whether they are value added in terms of any of the wonderful crush plants. And and that's what excites us in terms of soybean checkoff, knowing that there's increased soybean crush demand coming online in the near future. So that's first. And then where we can move that soybean meal that will come from those facilities along with that oil. And so it's going to be uh, very crucial that the renewable diesel objectives are are met and that our partners over on the association side continue to work in opening up whatever markets and opportunities that may exist there with all of our friends. And so right now, the focus is really all on crush. It just seems like that has to be our number one goal because we know that we can add value to that soybean that's produced here and, and make sure that it's made into meal and oil. And obviously, the livestock industry is going to continue to play a critical role We uh, are fortunate to have strong connections with swine and poultry industry, but we can't discount how uh, the beef and, and for that matter, even dairy industries can look to and maybe come back to soybean meal as a strong alternative to uh, their protein needs. Talk to me about transportation, Jason. Where are your soybeans going and what is the transportation situation where you are on that critical pipeline to the west coast you know we're really excited about the investments that have been made especially in moving uh, soybean meal out to the pacific northwest but we uh, we will continue to look for ways that our soybean checkoff can enhance efforts to uh, provide necessary research studies in anything that may open up those pipelines to the pacific northwest for the soybeans that are produced here and in our areas at the same time, I think all of us should be uh, a little more uh, relieved of the fact that the Mississippi River has been moving. And we're surprised at the dry levels that hit last year, and so we can only uh, hope that those levels will uh, not return uh, when you look at this upcoming season. And so, but really, even on the ter- in terms of transportation, we uh, we need to. Uh, look for ways, and, and that's what we have done in terms of the South Dakota Soybean Checkoff, is how can we even partner more with some of these uh, local governments? And so, you know, they have all these various bridge structures, and those obviously present a hurdle, a, a problem in terms of moving those soybeans out of the fields 
to the farms or, or to the crushers and terminal facilities for export. So we will continue to uh, welcome ideas on how that transportation system can be enhanced from the field all the way to the market. You mentioned the Mississippi and the issues that affect uh, transportation on that inland waterway. How much are you affected personally by what's happening on the Mississippi River, and do some of your soybeans move that way? Actually, where my uh, farm is at, we are some of the initial uh, headwaters of the of the Mississippi River. Uh, the uh, Little Minnesota River starts just to the uh, north of us and, and northwest a little ways in the Veblen, South Dakota area. And so our water heads east. That leaves our farm nearly uh, all of the... Uh, land that we farm has the water on that ultimately makes it to the uh, Mississippi River. And so we have that connection, but really where we are affected on the the rates in terms of river traffic, it just really comes down to some seed production that we produce. It's priced off of a uh, combination of the um, basis based on Mississippi River delivery to some extent. So that's really the, the only um, amount of soybeans from this area, and again, that was just a pricing mechanism that we uh, benefit from. Nearly all of our soybeans in this area are, if they don't go to a crush facility, whether there's one in Minnesota and then there's a couple in South Dakota in our immediate area. Otherwise, uh, they would be exported to the uh, Pacific Northwest on unicar trains. But what we do see in, a, in talks that I've had with neighboring states, so we look at our friends with North Dakota, soybean checkoff, and for that matter, the Minnesota soybean checkoff, they continue to look for ways to open up that rail and barge traffic towards the Mississippi River because of the soybean meal that will be coming online from new crush facilities. So to some extent, it it does have an effect on our basis on our farm and most often in an indirect fashion. At the end of June, you're uh, leaving your position as the Chairman of the South Dakota Soybean Research and Promotion Council. What are your thoughts as you approach the end of your service? I've really been pleased at what I have been able to witness firsthand as a farmer who raises soybeans and is able to directly impact the investments that are made to enhance the price of the soybeans that we all receive when we sell those soybeans as a raw commodity. I'm always excited at the fact that it's north of $12 for every dollar that's invested of soybean checkoff funds on the return on investment. You know, there's very few places you can go to receive that kind of return on an investment. I'm very excited about what the future holds for soybean checkoff. We know that there will always be a a need for new markets, new demand. We can't uh, just rest on the fact that We know there's a lot of increased crush demand and know that everything will be just fine because there certainly will be uh, many more acres of soybeans planted to help meet those crush facility uh, targets. And then we have to always be looking at how can we continue to add value to that either soybean, soybean product. In the end, we want to continue to drive consumer confidence in the products in the ways that we raise soybeans out on our farms. We are proud of the fact that we could put our sustainability efforts up against anyone. My fellow farmers here in South Dakota do a great job, and obviously the various farming practices that we have adopted are a testament to that. And we uh, 
will continue to be a very resilient force in terms of the future of soybeans and their application out here on the landscape. They're not going away. They still are a relatively new product as you move your way north. It's widely adapted and, and it's incumbent on fellow farmers to be actively involved in the soybean checkoff to have a say in how those funds are invested and it's well-run operation, and I'm very proud of the efforts of those before me and, and those that were still to come to advance the um, demand for soybeans. Jason, I like to uh, talk to producers around the state a little bit, especially in soybean-growing areas, to find out how the season is going. How is it where you are up there as far as drought? Are you touched by it? Well, drought is very evident throughout this region of our state. It also, at the same time, the showers have been very spotty. There's been one inch of rain that's dropped on our farm and in our acres, but it was very limited. You go east even three miles and it dropped off to even less than a half inch. And then you would go west and it it would do the same. And so, you know, very narrow bands that have come through. And we only had that one inch rain once here in the last three weeks. So it's been very limited since planting season wrapped up, which was a very nice planting season for us. We uh, got started nearly on time and finished in in record time because it was dry conditions. We had very little, only one rain delay and uh, to charge our batteries and keep going. Emergence was still relatively decent for our crop. We had a fortunately some nice fall moisture, and so there's subsoil moisture out there, but then the spring melt happened way too fast, and so much of our snow that we uh, looked at all winter, uh, ran off and melted within 36 hours. And so we're waiting for that next uh, decent shot of rain to help us out. Uh, Any of the later planted crops have been suffering the most. Just prior to the time that we are speaking, we, we have been working on side dressing corn and pretty well wrapped up on any of the, uh, post-emergence application on any of the soybeans. The corn is all sprayed and looks clean and is off and running. We just really need that rain to help us out. Other than needing a shot of rain, Jason, do you think that this at the midpoint where we are has had a pretty good season for you? You know, all things considered, it has been a good season. We have no complaints. Safety, obviously, is always number one in terms of making it through uh, planting season and spraying and, and everything that goes into uh, making that a success. And so uh, we've been very fortunate. Things look good. It's just incumbent that the timely rains will continue to show up and uh, and it'll all work out. On the flip side of things, our alfalfa crop, the first cutting was very good. We had two bales an acre roughly and, and pleased with the uh, quality on that first cutting of alfalfa. The grass hay that's out there which still is a a significant part of the forage aspect of our operation. The grass is short. It's been uh, suffering, and and that's really evident why we didn't plant any small grain this year. And the very little amount of small grain that was planted either this spring or the rye that was left out there is a short crop. It's just going to be real tough to see anything be uh, decent in terms of the small grain here in, in the far northeast part of South Dakota. It really just goes to show, I mean, we had so much heat in June and obviously the dry weather. Even last year when drought was so widespread in eastern South Dakota, the crops looked good in spite of that. How much does seed technology 
have to do with getting this crop through with limited precipitation? It really appears that the, the genetics in our seed uh, have allowed us to uh, buy some time in terms of stretching out when those timely rain showers are needed. Uh, we do see uh, a crop that's moving along when you have heat for corn and it thrives. And we see that being the case out there, but we will reach a point if there isn't enough moisture. And we always say we need rain in July to, to make that corn crop and, and then the rain in August for the soybeans. And even though we are on track in terms of our um, stage that those plants need to be and to continue to uh, meet those thresholds, it's fun to see that the, the potential is there yet, but it's it's all going to depend on where those selective and, and spotty rain showers land. Our friends just across the border, where you know where I'm at, we're nine miles from the Minnesota line, and, and you get nine to ten miles east of us, and there's been some nice rains that have fallen in, in those areas. And so because of all of this, because we are dry here at the uh, end of June, we uh, are working on anything uh, that's needed to uh, turn on irrigation systems. They will be on if we miss any rains here in the near future. Jason Frericks of Wilmot, South Dakota, now the past chairman of the South Dakota Soybean Checkoff. The Soybean Pod is brought to you by South Dakota Soybean Farmers and their Checkoff. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and at sdsoybean.org. Thank you for listening. I'm Tom Stever.